face it, life can be tough. It can cause pain and stress. It can strain relationships, even cause problems at home. When life gets messy, how do you hold it together? Did you hear the one about the angry man who was walking along and kicked over an oil lamp? And he got so mad that he turned around and kicked the oil lamp again. And a few seconds later, a genie popped out of the oil lamp and was angry for the man and the way he was kicking his lamp around. And the genie said, you know, even though you kicked me, I'm still forced to give you three wishes. But because of what you did, I'm also going to give double whatever you wish for to the person you hate the most, your boss. So the man agreed and made his first wish. I want lots of money. And instantly, he had $22 million. But the genie also put $44 million in his boss's account. For his second wish, the man said, I want a sports car. And so immediately, one Lamborghini appeared for him. But then two Lamborghinis appeared before his boss's house. And finally, the genie said, this is your last wish, so choose wisely. And the man replied, oh yeah, I know what I want. I would like to donate a kidney. It's a little joke about anger. <laughs> Apparently not very funny, but uh, a little joke that we can all identify with because it seems like anger is everywhere. I don't know how sociologists measure this kind of thing, but they tell us that we are angrier than we've ever been before in history. There is more hurt and more pain and more frustration, more anger issues among us than ever before. And they say, it's getting worse. And life has a way of falling apart into anger and frustration. But God has a secret for holding it together. God's secret is Jesus. And God shares this secret in the first chapter of Colossians, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And he writes this, speaking of Jesus, in Colossians 1, verse 17. The Son is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So God's secret for holding it together is living with Jesus in the center of my life, which is an easy thing to say. But how do you do that? Uh, how, how is that possible to, to live with your life holding it together in a world that's falling apart with anger everywhere. How do you hold it together when uh, I have a coworker who makes me the target of unfair attacks, false accusations, and lies about me and my work? How do I keep it together when I have a child who is being bullied at school? And when I reach out to the bully's parents, they give me the brush off. How can I keep from falling apart when my teenager won't talk to me or my parents are getting a divorce or 
I discover that my spouse doesn't love me anymore. When pain is tearing my life apart, how is it possible to keep it together? Holding it together in the midst of pain is possible because along with my new identity in Christ, I also receive new abilities in Christ. That's right. As a follower of Jesus, I have new abilities in Christ that flow from my new identity in Christ. What are these new abilities? Paul speaks about them in Colossians 3, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. First, Notice that these new abilities flow out of my new identity in Christ. Last week, we studied the beginning of Colossians chapter 3, discovered that when the first layer of my identity is Jesus, then he holds my life together. But if my identity is wrapped up in my achievements or my vocation or a relationship, human relationship, I will always be on the verge of falling apart because success and people... Jobs come and go. There's no security there. But in, con in that, con uh, contrasted to that insecurity, Paul summarizes the security of my identity in Christ in these words starting in verse 12. I am one of God's chosen. Wow, I'm selected by God himself to show his favor to me. And let's, you know, it's worth rehearsing all that I did to deserve being selected by God. Uh, what did I do to deserve being chosen? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Not a nothing. It's all God's grace. And his blessing comes upon me completely undeserved. I am simply chosen. Next, I'm one of God's holy ones. The word holy here means set apart for God's purpose. I've not been chosen to simply be a selfish sponge who soaks up God's blessing. I've been set apart to be a, a part of God's plan for blessing the world, and he empowers me by indwelling me with what? His holy spirit. And then the final piece of my new identity is that I am God's loved one. The Greek word here uh, for loved in verse 12 is agape. And those of you who have been around for very long, you know that in the ancient Greek, uh, the, there were three words that were popular for three different types of love. Eros referred to romantic love. Phile referred to friendship love. And storge referred to family love. But there was one more Greek word for love, a word that had fallen out of popular usage in the first century, but the followers of Jesus who wrote the New Testament, including Paul, picked up this word and infused it with Christ-centered meaning. The word is agape, and it refers to God's love in Jesus that is never-ending, unconditional, all-forgiving, self-sacrificing love. So, first Paul summarizes my new identity in Christ. I am a chosen, holy recipient 
of God's agape love. But next, notice that seven abilities flow from my new identity. What are those seven new abilities in Christ? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. When I live with Jesus at the center of my life, these seven abilities flow from my identity in Christ as one who is chosen, holy, and loved in a way that holds my life together in the midst of hurt and pain. And actually, these seven abilities protect my heart from the destructive power of internal anger. And these seven abilities actually act as a protective shield against the anger that is everywhere in this world of hurt and pain. Paul speaks about this internal anger issue in the sentence before in verse 8. Now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now there's Something in common among these five words, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, all these words are reactions to hurt and pain. Think about it. Anger is a hurt reaction to a painful circumstance or situation. Rage is a hurt reaction to personal injury or personal woundedness. Malice is a hurt reaction of internal bitterness and a desire to get revenge and slander and filthy language is that wide range of hurt-fueled verbal offensiveness and aggressiveness. In this world, everyone gets hurt. Everyone experiences painful circumstances and the default human reaction to all this pain and hurt is anger. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. But while everyone else in this world is falling apart in anger, those who have Jesus in the center of life can hold it together in the midst of pain. And the reason Christ followers can hold it together and not fall apart in anger, rage, and malice is not because they're better people. It's because they have hidden resources through Jesus who is the one who holds all things together because of what they, Christ followers, experience from God because they are empowered by God's indwelling Holy Spirit, these Christ followers have anti-anger abilities. And the first one is compassion. True story. It's been a long day at work in Manhattan. And now you're on the train in Grand Central waiting to leave the station for the long ride home ahead of you back to Fairfield. You're exhausted. And then you realize your ride is about to get a whole lot harder. A father gets on the train with his little preschool kids, and these kids are kind of out of control. The train car is almost full, but these kids start jumping from one open seat to another. The father, however, doesn't seem to care. He sits by the window nearest you and just stares out the window. 
You know what this is. This is another example of bad parenting resulting in kids who, who don't respond to authority or respect property or anything. This is a father who is just wrapped up in himself too much to pay attention to his kids and how they're making everyone else upset. And since you're the nearest to this father, the rest, of the, parent, the rest of the passengers are looking at you and silently electing you to get that man to take responsibility. And since you're nearest to this, uh, this father, uh, you nudge the man and you say, sir, I wonder if you'd do something about your kids. They're starting to bother the other passengers. And suddenly, the man comes to attention as if waking up from a dream. And he, as he turns from the window, you see that he has tears in his eyes. And he says, I'm sorry. And then he goes to gather up the kids. And while he does that, he says in a voice loud enough for the other passengers to hear, I apologize, everybody. We've just come from the hospital where their mother just died. And I guess we're all having a hard time. At these words, what would happen to your anger? What do you think would happen to the anger of everyone in that train car? Like I said, it's a true story. And the man who told me this story said that Jesus used this experience to teach him how God could use compassion to drain away the kind of internal anger that he was dealing with every day and put his life on the verge of falling apart. Just as compassion diffused anger on that train, God wants to grow my compassion ability as one way that he, wants, he uses to protect my heart from anger and rage and malice. You know, some of us have this false idea that the way God holds his people together is by shielding them from pain. When the reality is that, it, is that experiencing hurt is part of God's plan for holding us together. Jesus doesn't hold me together by shielding me from pain. He holds me together by increasing my ability to transform hurt into compassion. I know a woman who has had massive internal rage against family members who have hurt her. And then she met Jesus. And when she came to her new identity in Christ, she received a new ability to actually have compassion for her mother who abused her. She's been able to sense her mother's pain and actually see her mom as an abuser who has been abused. Jesus didn't save this woman from pain, but by growing compassion in her, Jesus did save this woman from the inner destructiveness of inner rage and bitterness. Jesus didn't hold her life together by removing her mother. Jesus held her together by giving her compassion that brought peace to her life and peace to her relationship with her mother. How does compassion flow into a believer's life? Compassion flows 
into the believer by experiencing God's compassion. Jesus loved me when I was wild and out of control. God reached me with his compassion and I can't help but want to extend it to others because in this life, everyone on the train is fighting a hard battle. So how about you? Who in your life needs your compassion. Next, my next ability in Christ is kindness. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, the biblical word for kindness is related to grace. Grace, the concept of grace. The Bible defines kindness as being good to someone who does not deserve it. For instance, in uh, Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, love your enemies, be good to them. And that word for be good in the Greek is the same Greek word translated kindness here in Colossians 3. So loving enemies is the kindness that Paul has in mind here. It's not just kind of the opening a door for a stranger kind of kindness. It's going out of my way to do good to someone who hates me or who hurts me. God wants me to grow in my ability to show this kind of grace. And that is why he doesn't answer my prayer to remove difficult people from my life. You know, when someone mistreats me, usually my first reaction is to cry out to God and ask God to remove that difficult person from my life. I find that Jesus doesn't usually answer that prayer. I find that Jesus does not hold my life together by removing difficult people. Jesus holds my life together by increasing my ability to be kind to difficult people. God wants to increase your ability through, uh, for kindness through the difficult people in your life. So that brother of yours uh, who is often pretty mean to you, Go ahead and unload the dishwasher, load the dishwasher, and save him from getting in trouble with your parents. Go ahead and build up your spouse with encouragement, even though your spouse doesn't seem to do that for you. Go ahead and save that coworker who threw you under the bus last week. These difficult people are protecting you from internal rage and anger by teaching you and increasing your, your kindness ability. In fact, when you see your most difficult person this week, give that person a big hug and say, thank you for everything. <laughs> and if you don't have a difficult person, find one. Uh, or call the church office. We have a list. We'd be happy to assign you one. If you have received kindness that you did not deserve from above, then you have the ability to do good to an undeserving person just like you. And with each act of kindness, something beautiful happens inside you. The inner anger melts away as Jesus holds you together. Next comes humility. Humility is the ability to volunteer for the serving role in a relationship. Humility is the power to do what other people do not have the power to do. 
A while back, I pulled into my uh, doctor's uh, tiny, crowded parking lot and came to a head-to-head -head stalemate with another driver who had just pulled out of the only spot uh, now in the parking lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just was one of those moments when it seemed better for him to back up because I was on a busy street. And uh, if he could just back up a little bit, I could pull into the spot that he just pulled out of. But instead, he chose to lean out the window and say to me, I don't back up for idiots. <laughs> so I, I leaned out the window and I, with a big smile, I said, don't worry, I, I do. <laughs> I really wasn't calling him an idiot. I... Uh, I was saying that I had the power to do what he did not have the power to do. I had the power to serve someone I would never know because I know the one who served me. And I wonder if you have a relationship in your life that is just waiting for you to exercise the power of humility. You exercise the power of humility when you volunteer to be the one to move toward reconciliation, even though you are not the one to bring hurt into the relationship in the first place. Pride says, I'm not gonna reconcile. She did the hurting, so she should make the first move. Humility says, through Christ, I have the power to take the serving role in this relationship. I'll make the first move. And as you take that servant role, you protect your heart against anger and rage and malice as Jesus holds you together. The next ability is gentleness. And we studied gentleness uh, several weeks ago. Gentleness is using my power in a given relationship to build people up and not tear them down. Uh, just like a heart full of anger uh, spews out slander and filthy language, the heart full of Christ pours out gentle words of appreciation and encouragement and affirmation. The words of your mouth are so powerful, especially if you're a parent. Your words are especially powerful in the ears of your children of any age. Without even thinking, you know, parents can end up with their young children doing nothing but barking out demands and commands and critiques all the time. We're harsh with the very people who most need our gentleness. So would you make a list of people who need your encouragement? And then over the next 48 hours, think of something affirming and approving that you can say to each person on that list. Use your power of gentleness and verbally build someone up who usually gets torn down with slander and filthy language in this world of hurt and pain. The next ability is patience. And the Greek word here for patience is very interesting. It's macrothumia. From macro meaning big and thumia meaning test or trial. Uh, the word macrothumia refers to something that is big test and is really hard to break. 
Earlier we said, what do you do when you're faced with painful situations? What do you do if your teenager won't talk to you or you find out your parents are getting a divorce? There are situations uh, that are very painful and call and you can only survive if you have the ability of macrothumia, where you're not only patient, you're not only holding on to this relationship, but especially you have macrothumia of patience in holding on to God's promises, holding on to your trust in God. Even in the midst of massive, heavy issues, you can, you can stay together through macrothumia. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't always Give me what I ask for. What I want is for Jesus to hold me together by eliminating my external frustrations. But instead, Jesus holds me together by increasing my internal macrothumia, patience. Next comes forgiveness. Wounded people wound people who wound people who wound people. And this cycle continues on and on and on, such that this whole world is full of people with fists clenched on anger and rage and malice. But from my new identity in Christ, I have the ability to unclench my fists and forgive. The biblical word for forgiveness here means to release. And right now, God is bringing to your mind someone that you need to let go. Someone who has hurt you in the past. Someone who is hurting you even in your life right now. Jesus holds you together in peace by giving you the ability to let go of pain and those who have caused it. And the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 13 there, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on agape love, which binds them together, holds you together in perfect unity. This seventh ability that flows from my new identity is agape love. This is God's dream for me as his child. God's dream for me is that I receive his agape, receive his never-ending, unconditional, all-forgiving, self-sacrificing love, and then share it with everyone I know in this world of hurt and pain. And to do this, God binds it all together. He holds my life together in perfect unity. God holds me together in the midst of pain so that I can be a person who brings 